Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lockdown Canadians. Inside today's show, we're going to break down that behind-the-scenes video from the lead-up to the NHL Draft and the NHL Draft Combine, and it's the return of three up and three down. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 678 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. If you're listening to this wherever you get your podcast, or if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much. Remember, hit that subscribe button. We are closing in on 1,700 subscribers here on YouTube, and we are thankful for each and every one of you. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and as always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura... We actually have a decent chunk to get into since the Canadians decided to post content uh, last week. Right. And it was very revealing content. And honestly, I think people are, get tempted to think about, think that there's not enough to talk about in the off season. And it's true. There isn't re- really any huge news, but this is the kind of time where we can spend being nerdy about the draft and uh, things we learn about the Canadians. And honestly, I'm excited for today's episode because that the content so-called content it was actually like information that the canadians put out last week was really meaty in my opinion even though it was only 20 minutes and we are we are obviously not talking about sean monahan eating toast we will get to that at some point we're gonna go full john boy media and break this thing down because it's the most psychotic (laughs) thing i've ever seen in my entire life we are of course talking about the montreal canadians releasing a behind the scenes 22 minute video of Everything leading from basically the end of the NHL season through the draft combine, through the NHL draft, and immediately following that. And it gives us a look into how Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, um, the rest of the scouting staff, coaches, everyone had their input in this. And fans were clamoring for this because other teams have done this. And the Canadians waited a little bit. I think they were obviously putting everything together because it was a really – high quality piece it reminds me of what 24 ch used to be before that show unfortunately met uh went off the air there and i gotta say the biggest thing for me about all of this is i understand why they did what they did when they picked Yuras Slefkovsky at this point is i look at him in his interviews at the combine i look at what this scouting staff was looking for and they also included chris boucher who is heading up the analytics department And they made some really good points there is that he's like, I have to present this in a way that makes sense. They don't want just numbers. They want tangible information and how it impacts things. There was good discussion and just thought process. It wasn't just going forward in one direction and sticking to that. You could tell because it said, I believe it was July 5th and they were sitting down for one of their last scouting meetings. They still didn't know who they were going to pick. Hughes mentioned Cooley, Slavkovsky and Wright or some other skilled player that might be there, which is everyone because it was first overall. But just to let us into that, I want to rewatch it again because it was such an incredible look. And I'm really happy they did this. That transparency is important. And it's kind of helped set my mind a little bit more at ease, even though I'm already kind of relaxed in the way that I've thought about this. But uh, Laura, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, you know, the the whole video uh, top to bottom? 
Oh, well, I watched it twice. <laughs> I watched the whole thing and then I just watched it all over again. Uh, that's that's kind of, you know, it's apparently not the first time that the Canadians have done something like this to release, you know, some of this content. But for me, this one was very illuminating. illuminating. I think because we took such a, like, because we, sorry, because it's such an unknown, this new front office, I think we kind of hung on the words more in this video because we want to see what they think about. We want to see how they're going to operate. We're not sure what that, uh, that point Bobrov sort of relationship is like. Um, so we hung on a lot of it and I understand why they couldn't release the interviews or they didn't, or they chose not to, or couldn't, I don't know, release the interviews with some of the other players that were up there that ended up getting uh, chosen by other teams. I was on Reddit spoiler. If you are on Reddit, you'll already know my thoughts on this, but, um, you know, the, the, there were a couple of people talking about how they would have liked to see like just Shane Wright's video and they hope that Seattle releases that so they can see how he interviews. Um, and, you know, there's a little bit of curiosity there. But for me, I think there's two things that stood out quite a bit. Uh, one was that they weren't sure. You know, I had assumed that they kind of fallen in love with the idea of Slavkovsky and then like they tried to talk themselves out of it or they tried to talk themselves into a center and then they didn't end up doing that. But really, it, it really did come down to, you know, the very, very end. And then the other thing is the incorporation of analytics. If you've listened to the show at all, you will know that we like analytics. We think that it is a good indicator of how things are going we don't think it's the be all end all we think that it is one of the most important pieces uh when you're evaluating players but it's not the only piece but i think that the video showed to me the perfect marriage because the way some of the scouts were talking about analytics they seemed kind of in awe of it and they thought it was like oh this cool thing right and then like there was this one point where i can't remember what the player was i, I truly couldn't uh and i don't even know if they named the actual player but they went to to um chris boucher and he said he's three for three and then he mentioned some things and i think what i think is really interesting is that the analytics pictures being brought in when they like a player when they or they're not sure if they should choose between players and they look to the underlying numbers to give them a little bit more context and I think that that's so important because that's how you should run a team is that you know it's not you're not reinventing the wheel you're finding new ways to get information that's there you're just giving yourself better access to the information by incorporating analytics and I thought that was really great I thought the way that they kind of balanced it out you know they're like there was this one point I think it was Martin uh, Lapointe who was like I'm gonna need more from you on when a scout was trying to present a player you know because scouts fall in love with the players that they see the most often right they they go to bat for those players you know, there's people that they like in particular for particular reasons. And I think that, you know, he was he, he was asking for more meat to the argument. And I thought that was a really, really fun, cool behind the scenes. And obviously the Kirby Doc part uh, was was really cool, like the conversation that the, at the draft table when they were welcoming him to the team. Um, and just one thing that I'm going to say before I turn it back to Scott is like, Kent Hughes' ankle pants. Like, we got to talk about <laughs> Kent Hughes wearing ankle pants. <laughs> I, my favorite part about the whole doc trade is Kent Hughes is sitting, like, here, and he's like, hey. So it, it's like he's trying to make, like, a call and take him. Like, he's in the trunk of a car, and he doesn't want everyone else to know what he's doing. And it, it's – the re there was a lot of just screen-cappable material from that. And the last thing before we transition into our next segment was – the interviews with Owen Beck and Vincent's Roars, uh, 
were really stuck out to me. Owen Beck is such a bright kid. We've talked to Lauren Kelly about him. We've talked to other uh, Tony Ferrari and other people about him. They love his game, and it's not hard to see why the Canadians fell in love with this too because as we've talked about, they drafted a lot of guys with a hockey IQ off the charts. Elaine Hudson, Roar, Owen Beck, all these guys think the game at a different level. And Owen Beck, uh, when they asked him, he's confident without crossing that line into being cocky. How good are you at faceoffs? I was number one in the OHL. Really? Yes. And- yeah. Well, but that was the thing was it started with, are you good at faceoffs? And he said, yes. He didn't say I was the top, right? And they were like, how good? And he's like, well, I was the number one in the OH, right? Like, the, like I just, I love this kid and I need his time management skills. I need him to teach me time management. Hey, okay, so you go home, you go on the road to play a game, you come home, you go right to bed, he goes, nah, I usually stay up and do some other stuff afterwards. I'm like, all the right words, just chef's kiss, like just absolute, like, you know, moths to a flame. This kid works hard and doesn't take time off. I shouldn't say doesn't take time off, doesn't, you know, slack in any way. I think Habs fans are going to love Owen Beck more as much as we already do, but we are going to transition out of the draft video talk. If you haven't watched it, go to the Canadians YouTube channel. It's about 22 minutes long. It is worth every single second that you have tune in, watch that. But net coming up next, it is the turn of three up and three down. And we're going to start with who, uh, who, We've seen their stock drop this offseason in Montreal Canadiens next. But first, are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. We are back at Lockdown Canadians here. And we are bringing back a segment that we do during the regular season. We do it every Monday on our show. So when games are back, we will have this segment back all the time. It is three up, three down, where Laura and I pick three peep players places things teams whatever that are going up and down in a given week uh in relation to the montreal Canadiens. sometimes we go into the nhl we don't want to end the show on a negative note so we're going to talk about our three down right now and i feel bad because all three of these guys are veterans that i have on my list but i think number one right now is yol armia as my number one down everything about it is they've been working to move him you've seen other trades they brought back Rem Pitlick. They brought back, you know, Michael Pozzetta. They brought back these guys. They have Raphael Harvey, Pinard, and Jesse Alona knocking on the door. For someone like Yol Armia, who has a bigger contract, the pressure's on him to either perform or for the Canadians to find a way out. And it kind of feels like his stock is dropping a little bit here, especially after a really tough season last year. I 100% agree with you. What I did was when you mentioned, let's do a three up and three down for the offseason, I thought who is a player on this team that becomes an odd man out with all of the moves that they've made. And the reality is that he was kind of an odd man out in during the regular season too, right? He wasn't really influencing play at all. He was struggling. He did pick it up a little bit later under Martin St. Louis, which every other player did. So for me, it, you know, it wasn't really 
it, it wasn't really enough for me. And I know he he had some issues, right? He recovered from having COVID twice. Um, and, and we know that he, you know, he had some family stuff going on, but you know, now he has, he has, he has a, a new baby and everything. So like things are looking up for him on the personal front. Uh, but I just, I felt like there was no really, there was no room for him on this team really, or in the cap space. And he didn't do anything to sort of solidify that, right? Like he did nothing for me to say, I belong on this team. Do not move me. Yeah. And that kind of ties into my next part here is there's Christian Dvorak now. And I still don't know what to make of the Canadian center pieces here. I know that there are two names that are going to be on this roster guaranteed or going to be part of this team guaranteed. And that's Nick Suzuki and Kirby doc. Once doc gets signed, which should be soon. And then beyond that, you have Christian Dvorak, you have Sean Monaghan, you have Jake Evans, you have five centers for four spots, and Christian Dvorak was rumored to be moving last year. We've seen rumblings out there that some people don't think his value is very high, and other people point out he had 17 points in 22 games under Martin St. Louis. And I'm leaning more towards you keep Christian Dvorak and you shift Sean Monahan to the wing, but Christian Dvorak is also not Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon's guy. And I... It's unfair, but, you know, most teams want their guy there. They don't have a loyalty because they weren't involved in the Kotkaniemi offer sheet diaper filling fiasco between Carolina and Montreal. And Christian Dvorak is what came of that in terms of trades and draft picks and everything. I, I'm curious to see what they do because I would like to keep Christian Dvorak. I think he's got a much more proven track record recently than Sean Monahan, who I think will still be flipped at the deadline. And... He's got more experience than Kirby Doc, who we don't quite know where he's at yet. Uh, his stock is probably down in the eyes of the Canadians. That's why they've gone out and shored up more centers. And I don't know if that's fair to him, but I do feel like his has dropped a little bit going into this offseason, especially after the Doc trade and even more so after acquiring Sean Monaghan. I think that's the plan. I think once they acquired Sean Monaghan, it wasn't just to do Calgary a favor and get a first in return, right? It's definitely there's something there. And the good thing about Dvorak is that we're talking about this and it's it's not really in his hands. I think that he is a great player for what he is, right? He's a two-way center. He was fantastic under Martin St. Louis. If you looked at his underlying numbers, they were amazing under Martin St. Louis. So like, and, and they were already good. Like he was one of the few people before the coaching change, he was still one of the few people that if you looked at the numbers, right, he wasn't exciting on the ice. He wasn't creating, uh, you know, excitement, offense, whatever you want to call it. But you look at his numbers and he was one of the most serviceable people so a team that's smart and that cares about these market inefficiencies would be a great candidate to trade Dvorak to obviously I'm not going to do it right now when the market is things going for future considerations no I'm going to wait a little bit when like you know maybe even in the salary cap crunch like towards the end of, of the offseason when people have to become cap compliant you kind of exploit that a little bit but I wouldn't move him for nothing and I think he has a lot of value. I just think exactly like you said, the Canadians don't necessarily see him in their future is the only thing, the only reason his stock dropped. But I think I think he's a great trade chip. And, and the biggest one, and I don't think anyone's going to be shocked by this, is I still have Mike Hoffman on my list just because they drafted a gigantic winger first overall. They went out of their way and they shored up the center depth. They have a million guys on the wings and they have those guys in the AHL knocking on the door right now. You have your Harvey Pinard, your Yelonans, and et cetera. These guys should be playing NHL minutes this year. 
And yeah, they're not always consistent. They might not have the best start, but you're not supposed to be good. This is their learning time. Yeah, you can still send them to the rocket, but they they should be able to make this happen right now. And Hoffman just feels like a, a luxury this team doesn't really need right now is that, yeah, he's a power play specialist who, if things are working, will score 20 goals. And maybe he comes out in the preseason. He just absolutely lights it up and we change our tune here. But for right now, I look at Mike Hoffman as his spot is blocking any of one of three prospects in there. And like I said, when the cap crunch comes down heading into the season or some team, hey, this guy got injured in a preseason game and now we got to replace him because he's going to be out for four months. You never know what's going to happen. It's like fantasy football is that you never, I don't draft until the last preseason games have been played because I'm not picking a guy and then having him blow out his knee in a meaningless game or something like that. I, I, I do feel like we dump on Mike Hoffman a lot. I feel like this is more just a situational thing that a team that is rebuilding that wants to give young guys ice time. Hoffman and Armia are guys that are in the way of that right now. And I think because like Joshua Wash should get preseason ice time. Matt Drake thinks he's going to get his nine game NHL stint this year. Maybe he is. We don't know. And we won't know uh, in the NHL, especially if guys like, you know, Hoffman are there in the lineup, whether they're producing or not. So I don't want to be too mean to the guy. I want to be fair and just in my criticisms. It's not so much his play because I don't know what his play looks like this year but just where he is in the lineup preventing younger guys from getting their shot right now. I think we need to move on to the next segment, but the one thing I'll quickly say about Mike Hoffman is that, you know, all of the things that we say about him, all of the negativity surrounding him, it stems generally from the fact that Mike Hoffman should not have been signed by the Canadians in the first place. This was not the right place for him. This was not the right fit for him. And I think the team was nowhere near a contender. And that's probably the thinking that went into adding him was power play scoring because they thought that there would be, you know, more uh, playoff success. You know, it's not, he's not the reason the Canadians were bad. He's not, you know, he's like, we dump on him a lot and I don't want it to, I don't want to be gratuitous about it because I think, you know, he tried, it just wasn't successful because it, it was just the wrong situation for him. So he was kind of a victim of that circumstance more than anything else. I do want to see him traded and I want to see him succeed elsewhere. And now that we've done our three down, we do have our three ups and those are all coming in our next segment. So we are back, Locked on Canadians. It is our final segment of our Monday show. We have a special guest lined up for our Friday episode. And then Friday night at 7.30 p.m., folks, I need you to clear your calendars because we're doing the hot ones gauntlet. We're doing an AMA because I lost a bet to one Julian McKenzie, and I said I would do this because – and I am a man of my word. So – Friday night, 7.30 Eastern. Please tune in as I suffer for my art and or hubris, depending on where you fall on that scale of things. It's going to be a good time, but we're going to get into our three ups. And Laura, I think we can both definitely agree on this one. Our biggest up of the offseason has to be Yaroslavkovsky. Between going first overall, every interview he's given, everything that he has said and done, He has immediately endeared himself to Canadians fans, and he's made a believer out of myself, someone who wanted Shane Wright and still thinks Shane Wright might have been the better first overall pick. I I am sipping this Kool-Aid right now. Everything he has said, everything the front office has said, the scouting staff has said, I get it. 
I'm willing to buy into this because I can see the reasoning behind it. And I just look at him as uh, my girlfriend uh, put it when she was watching the draft video. And she went, that child is 17. And I went, yes. And she goes, he's humongous, which is horrifying. He's only going to get bigger. So <laughs> we are, we are now big fans of what we've seen from Yuroslavkovsky so far. I think there's a lot of pressure on him. And I think he's embraced it so far. I know that this wasn't the pick that a lot of Canadians fans envisioned. And we were among that. Like, we can't go back and say we didn't we didn't think that Shane Wright was a better choice. Like, we're not going to go back and be revisionist about it. We thought that at the time. But everything that we've seen about him since then has made us excited about this kid in Montreal. And everything that we've heard from the Canadians about how they're going to invest in development has made me excited about this kid in Montreal. Because the thing is, there's the player aspect and then there's the team and context and situation aspect. And I think they're going to pour a lot into his development. And, you know, we've he we've heard people talking about how this guy's ceiling is off the charts. It is amazing. Like, literally to our faces, someone said that he could be the next Yaramir Yaga, right? That's a lot of pressure to put on a guy who had braces in May. He still had his braces <laughs> on in May, right? But imagine it's a fraction of that, right? Like, the next Yaramir Yaga. Imagine you're, like, a quarter of the way there. Imagine you're, like, even 15% of the way there. You still got a great winger on your team and that i think is the way that we need to look at it is that yes his ceiling is way way off the charts yes absolutely we can't put that pressure on him right now but i really do hope that five years from now when we're talking about him we're gonna say that was such a such an amazing pick that was such a bold move by the canadians and it was fantastic i I think that he himself has also kind of sensed the weight of this moment. He talks about how he knows that he wasn't most Canadians fans first choice, but he hopes that he will, you know, he will, he will earn our, 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 I guess, admiration, our fandom, our, our, our appreciation, our support. I also think that um, I want to go back to that, that, that video that the Canadians posted behind the scenes at the draft. And they asked him, you know, what do you think of Montreal's a market and things like that. And he said, you know, it's a great place when you play good. Uh, and when you when you don't play well, it's not so hard. So he said something like it's hard or it's very hard. And and so somebody asked him how he planned to deal with the with the pressure. <laughs> and he said, I guess I have to play good all the time. <laughs> something something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. It's not an exact quote, but it was something like that. And I thought like that attitude is just it's so fun. It's so great. Like he and he and Philip Meshar have been, you know, they're back. They're they're in Montreal. They're learning about the city. They've been talking to fans. They've been they've been embracing this opportunity. And I'm so excited to see him and Philip Meshar as well. I I am very like I said, he rides that line between cocky and arrogant, but like confident. It, it's he, he, he knows how to sell himself and it's not hard to see why the Canadians fell in love with him after his interview. If he went in there and went, yeah, I know it's hard and I know it's going to be tough, but I want to win these people over. He wants to do the hard work. Like we talked about Owen Beck, not taking any breaks or slacking. They, they know there's going to be bumps to start. And I, I am so on board with this kid at this point. I, I cannot wait to watch him play in person and the biggest thing is expectations are going to be off the chart. If we keep everything in the proper frame of reference, I think we're going to be fine. Obviously easier said than done uh, to go into our next part of this is actually another prospect. And this is an up based on the unfortunate misfortune of another carry price, not playing this year and potentially not playing again. 
is a huge boost to Caden Primo, who is coming off an incredible AHL playoff run with the Rocket, where they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They came so, so close uh, to making the Calder Cup Finals there. It's it, The ball is in his court now. It, we know he can be very good at the AHL level. We don't know what Samuel Montembeau will have this year. And we know Jake Allen can't start 50-plus games. That'd be you know, absolutely burning him out. This year is a huge opportunity for Caden Primo, especially based on this offseason, to assert yourself. I am the future net. You have Jakob Dobish. You have Frederick Deshaux, who are breathing down your neck at this point now. They are playing very well. This is your time to stick the flag in the ground and, and earn your spot there. I think he's going to do so. He's been consistent in his AHL regular seasons, and I'm hoping this is the year that everything clicks up here and he doesn't have Dominic Ducharme throwing him to the Wolves, that he can he can establish himself, at least in the eyes of fans who might not have seen that Rocket playoff run this last year. I absolutely agree with you, and we're going to go back to the conversation that uh, I believe I had it with Dylan Wall when you weren't here, <laughs> um, and we were talking about how, you know, when you move from one level of, of hockey play to the next, um, you have to change the way you play your game, and I think Caden Primo just hasn't taken that step, and I think it's up to the Canadians to kind of guide him through that, and I think it's up to him to sort of adapt, and I still think he's very talented, I don't think that he's an AHL ceiling goalie, but there's a lot of people who do. They think that that's his ceiling. And I think that he hasn't been put in the right situation to prove himself. And I think that is extremely key for me. And now I'm curious as to who your last up is, because there's a chance that we might differ. My my up is just the AHL group as a whole. They went out of their way to restock the Rocket. They lost Jean-Sebastian D. They lost Sammy Niku. They lost Xavier Ouellette. They lost Louis Belpedio. But they brought back Alex Belzio, Donic Martella is back, Brandon Gignac is back, Peter Abandonado is back. They brought in Anthony Richard. They brought in Mitchell Stevens. They brought back Otto Leskinen. They've brought pieces in to restock the Rocket, while being most of their core from last season intact. Kevin Poulin is still here. Obviously, you have Yelonen. You have Rafael Harvey-Pinard. You're going to have some of these other young guys who are transitioning to the pro game. Yuroslavkovsky might play regular minutes for the Rocket this year just based on space alone. I'm very excited to see what this Rocket team can do this year because they know what the expectations are now. You are a playoff team. You are a very good playoff team. And now it's interesting to see how they can make this happen. And I, I, I'm I, very high on what they've done this year. Mitchell Stevens and Anthony Richard are very nice ads for this Rocket team. And... I, I cannot wait to see what kind of line combinations they come up with this year. So we are going to differ. I do agree with you, but I, and I promise this isn't a gratuitous reason just to praise him. I swear, I promise. Uh, Nick Suzuki, I think off season up. He spent a lot of time here this summer. He attended a lot of Montreal-centric events. He is embracing the role that he's expected to play. I think, uh, you know, if, if you look at, you know, check with Bet Online. Uh, if you check on the odds of the next Canadians captain, he the odds for him are pretty good. I, you know, a lot of people are making arguments for Brendan Gallagher. Some people are making arguments for, for Joel Edmondson. All of these people are, you know, Canadians captain. I don't want to say deserving because I feel like, you know, it's sort of, it makes, it, it gives negative connotations if somebody doesn't get it. But people that seem to be primed to become uh, Montreal Canadiens captain. But I think Nick Suzuki, whether it's this season or a few seasons from now, will eventually be the captain in Montreal. He's a 
he's a young quiet leader and i just i love the way that he's embraced this market because i know that he knows that it's not the greatest place to play when it's hard um and he's still showing love to the fans in the city and i think the canadians have kind of sensed that now whether or not you believe it's too soon or not they are kind of making logan mayu hang out with nick suzuki and i think that's extremely calculated i don't think it's just about external optics i think they're really hoping that nick suzuki's good head on his shoulders rubs off on logan mayu and and he he makes better decisions in life because of nick suzuki right like they made it a point to sort of show that they were hanging out together i think it was at lasso montreal or whatever i don't think that that's you know i i think i think that that's extremely Manif- not manufactured by the Canadians. I think the Canadians pushed for that to happen because they want the influence of Nick Suzuki on Logan Mayu. And I don't know, you know, it's not up to us to kind of decide whether it's too soon or not, but whether it's too soon or not, he's the one that they want influencing Nick Suzuki. He's the, the head on the good head on the shoulders that they want. Sorry, the other way around. I'm so sorry. They want Nick Suzuki influencing Logan Mayu. That's what they want. So I, I feel like they're putting a lot on Nick Suzuki's shoulders and Nick Suzuki is just kind of embracing it and just going, you know, he's rising to the occasion and he's taking on what is high pressure. Not like, it's not easy tasks, right? All these things that they're asking of him, they're not easy asks and he's embracing it. So Nick Suzuki, again, not gratuitous praise because you know that locked on Canadians hearts, Nick Suzuki, I, this is truly like I think that there's a legitimate reason for him to be one of the offseason ups. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Is that Suzuki being this much in the limelight makes me think that it's all but for certain that he's getting the C at this point. I don't know when they're going to announce it, but like I can't imagine it's too far off. Like it, he deserves it at this point. And I know a lot of people argue Gallagher or Edmondson or this. It, it's going to end up being Nick Suzuki. If it's not, I will be shocked. Um, I'm not going to eat anything else because I'm doing enough of that already. So tune uh, in on Friday. Yeah. Please tune in Friday, 730. When I, me, not my co-host, just myself suffers through eating the hot ones gauntlet here. So we will have videos and photos of all the preparation that I'm doing at our apartment. And by I, I mean, Carly helping me cook the chicken wings. So they are edible. If you want to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians, Lockdown Canadians on YouTube, please subscribe there. You can follow my co-host at the active stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. And when you're done checking us out, please check out Lockdown NHL, where all of our local experts have all the news and analysis you need for everything happening on the NHL and the sport of hockey. We will see you all next time.